Wikes. I'm a Yuggera bachelor woman from southeast Queensland, but I live here in Coolan country. Um, and I'm the creative director at Obidgeri Theatre Company and um, have been the playwright and director of all of our Hep C health education works across the last 15 years. Haven't directed all of them, haven't written all of them, but in some way I've been directly involved as a creative. Yeah. Yeah. And, I mean, do you have a personal relationship with, with hepatitis? Yeah. Uh, I was diagnosed with hepatitis C when I was 19 years old, when I was pregnant with my first child. Um, and I think I probably contracted it, um, it's probably not the right term to use anymore, um, uh, the virus when I was maybe 14 or 15, um, when I'd been engaging in some unsafe IV uh, drug practices, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, also, like, I'll be uh, sort of cutting and screwing sure. this. So, like, if you want to remain anonymous or there's some parts you want to take out, that's fine. But whatever I, say, I'm it's a pretty not open fine. book. Yeah, yeah. Cool. I'm a pretty open book. Um, so, I guess, reflecting on that time, is there, is there anything that sort of comes to your mind? Um, be it positive or negative when we talk about stigma and hepatitis? I guess for me it's been a really huge journey and like I guess I'll try and just kind of put it into a little bit of a nutshell. I suppose that information at the age of 19 I didn't really have the skills or knowledge to know what to do with that and the doctor didn't give me any information about it and I felt very, very alone um, and scared and, and, and I felt pretty disgusting to be honest and I think that's a pretty common feeling that people describe when they talk about what it feels like to live with the virus because it is something that's inside you um, and I was scared of what people were going to say about me um, and I think that I tended to just kind of push it away and forget about it and do my best not to think about what that actually meant and it wasn't something that I knew of anyone really talking about or have, having heard about in the kind of community. Um, and even within the IV using community, I think I was using with people that weren't, that wasn't something, I know that there are groups of users that are much more kind of informed and have conversations about that stuff, but I wasn't using with a group of people like that. So I um, didn't feel like there was anybody I could talk to. So, um, and then I think that, you know, I kind of did a good job of pushing that away for quite some time. And then I had a really negative experience um, accessing uh, a health service um, where a, a number of years later, probably about five years later, I ticked the box on the dentist form about do you have hepatitis C, thinking that I was obligated to do that and that it was the right thing to do. Of course, you know, we know that all people that are dealing with blood should be wearing gloves and all blood should be treated as um, potentially contagious. And so why do we need that box in the first place? But I ticked that box and um, found that I was treated very differently because of that. I wasn't sure if I was imagining it or not. And then a couple of years later, somebody said to me, asked me directly if I had hepatitis C, somebody that had no knowledge of my IV drug use and and... I've, and when I asked them how they had found it, how, why they asked me that, they told me that someone had told them that, who someone had told them that, and turned out that it was somebody that was working at the health service that had access to my files and that that information had gotten out within the Indigenous community, which is a real shock to, to my system and made me go retreat even more into the, the, the feelings of confidence of being able to communicate my status to anybody. And then funnily enough, I 
was asked to write Chopped Liver, which was the first Hepatitis C-themed play. And, I mean, I had been quite open about my IV drug use in my other art. I had written a play that contained IV drug references pretty heavily. And so I guess I kind of told myself that that was the reason why I was being asked if I would write a play about Hepatitis C or that I was just a good writer or that the other truth I didn't want to think about was the potential that this they had also heard this information through the community and that that was the reason why they were asking me. And it was a funny thing because I suppose for the next 10 years and that play became very, very successful and while that play was sort of spreading this message around how to live with hep C, you know, pre-treatment days, how to manage the virus, um, how to not feel those feelings of shame and stigma and how to... Actually, I was keeping a secret myself and it was probably the best, worst, worst kept secret in the world because I was writing plays about hepatitis C very openly. But then when I was asked whether how I wrote those plays, um, even by people that I could see... I mean, what I, what I would say is through research and we've got a reference group and I would never be actually able to acknowledge the fact that um, I had hepatitis C and... Fast forward into the future, I found that my disclosure, the main times I disclosed was with partners. I always felt an obligation to do that. I don't know why. It was just a personal choice of mine. I had a couple of funny experiences there where a guy that I was seeing was kind of like, I've got to tell my kids' mothers. And I was like, no, you don't. Your kids are not going to come into contact with it. And we ended up staying together for quite some time. And then after we broke up, I'm pretty sure that he decided that he would tell everybody that I had hepatitis C as a bit of a revenge thing. Anyway, long story short, um, I cleared the treat that cleared the virus about six or seven years ago on the old treatment. So maybe it was a little bit longer. I did okay with it and I yeah. successfully cleared the virus. I wasn't as bad as what I've heard some people have experienced. Um, but it wasn't a walk in the park either. And I suppose that there was such a sense of relief that came from that news. Um, and then I found myself kind of at a symposium talking to all of these academics about kind of art for change and... It was funny, I directed Chopped Liver, it did a remount, and we were at Odyssey House, and one of the audience members came up to me and was like, oh, you know, do you, do, did you have hep C? Do you? And I could see that they had this really sincere desire to connect with me on, on that experience. And even in that moment, I w said no. No, I didn't. I just did it from research. And I saw their face drop and my heart sunk. And I realised in that moment that I was denying other people but also myself the empowerment of being able to step into that statement and say, yes, that is my lived experience. And this is... Sorry, I'm getting a bit upset. Mm. This is how far I've come and that you can do that as well. And I realised that that shame and self-imposed stigma was actually so disempowering that I couldn't continue to do that if I was going to continue to work on these projects. Um, and so 
then I was at this symposium talking about chopped liver and I just found myself saying to like a room of 200 strangers and announcing that, you know, I'd lived with the hepatitis C virus for over 20 years. And it was like, whoa, the first time that I had kind of announced that and the responses were so amazing. And I suppose, I, you know, the fact that I had to clear the treatment before mm. I could kind of talk about it openly. And even then it was like, and I think I, I just started practicing saying it out loud to people. And I found it was easier to say to strangers than it was to people that I'd known for a long time, because I suppose the people that you've known for a long time suddenly start doing the maths in their head of how long they've known you and that the fact that you've never told them and were there moments, mm. you know, and that's all that, that stuff that might not necessarily be true, but it's still the stuff that you think in your head yeah and I suppose the shadow of it's so much bigger than what it actually is and in fact 99.9% of people's responses have been so supportive and so um just in awe and now I'm here doing this stigma story with you and so it was a bit of a funny moment when I saw the hepatitis story the hep hero story come up so I was like wow you've fully come out now because a, a gay guy that I work with, he was like, it's funny, you know, because every time you come out about being gay, you, like, you've got to come out again every time, like, so you meet new people. And I guess it's the same thing with hepatitis C. Like, you don't just say it once. And now everybody knows. It's like that information may be offered a number of different times in a number of different situations. Of course, you always have power over that. Um, but once you do say it out loud, sometimes it's also something you can't take back. But I think it's all been pretty positive. So, yeah, that was a really long answer to a short question. No, it's really good, actually. Would you like some tissues or something? Oh, no, I'm okay. Yeah, that's, um, so, I mean, when when you sort of cleared it and you were at the conference, was that, like, it wasn't so much a pivotal moment for you, is that right? It was something that... It's sort of gradual and you have to keep coming back to it. It gets easier, but it's it still something It was kind of pivotal in the sense of I never planned to say it. Yeah. And it, the words just came out of my mouth. And I guess it was almost like a forced coming out. Mm. That was kind of like just jumping off a cliff with my eyes closed. Um, and it was sort of a pivotal moment because it was the first time I'd announced it to a room full of people. And... And then, and then it was quite some time beyond that where I did it again. Like, I was like, oh, that was freaky and scary. It was kind of like jumping out of a plane. I don't know when I want to do that again, you know. And so then when I started working on this latest work, Viral Are You The Cure, I think there was so much healing in that space because it was looking much more at the stigma that lays around the virus rather than just at the facts of the virus and going and doing the workshops and talking with people in the community who were so generous generously sharing their stories how could I sit there and not share my own with them and actually through sharing my story allowed gave them the comfort and the confidence to be able to share theirs in a space of trust and exchange and through that I just developed so much more kind of strength and realised the power that there actually is in being able to talk about it openly and I think that that's the place that we need to get to within our community and just in in, in a general way you know it's the same like with diabetes like people don't go like oh my god diabetes you know but this kind of fear around oh I might catch it I think you know it's a funny thing that it does to people and I suppose the relation that it has to IV drug use and again I think that people need to kind of look at 
where what is their attitude actually in response to and how is that impacting on people in 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 people's lives because those attitudes and fears around IV drug use are causing people to live dangerously and to live in shame and fear years beyond the time when they're whether their IV drug use is still going or not you know so it's that moral space that is actually really the thing that's really dangerous, isn't it? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, that pretty much, yeah, that's fantastic. I mean, pretty much covers the um, question I have around, like, changing community attitudes. But um, lastly, I just wanted to ask, I mean, you yourself being an Indigenous woman and an Indigenous leader in theatre and, and these health promotion messaging and performances, um, I mean, just from your perspective or, and your experience... I'm wondering, do you think that the, this stigma relating to Hep C is felt differently or experienced differently for Indigenous people than it is to say that the general population? Yeah. Do you think it's pretty, you know, like common across the board? I think it is in the sense of that Aboriginal people are receive, experiencing stigma on so many different levels. Yeah. And then you add Hep C in and it's like that stigma then comes even from your own mob. So it's like you're kind of like if you're looking at a ladder of where you kind of sit with status or like, you know, do you have a job? What do you look like? Where do you live? What's your level of education? What's the colour of your skin? Do you drink alcohol, drug use, hep C? It's like you're adding, you're just dropping further and further down the latter um and i think that uh, because our community is very small and can be quite cruel in a sense of that um information's passed on really quickly and with that ignorance and um i think it is experienced differently in some ways i just it's i think it's probably more acute and that there's already so much in the backpack on the shoulders that adding that in and then the problem is that it then tends to become deprioritised amongst all of the other things that are there. Um, and then there's the other side of it where it's like, oh, well, I've got it and I don't care. Um, but yeah, I think I, I think that stigma. I think that the stigma is uh, it, it's maybe just more acute within the indigenous community, and it's on top of a bunch of whole much a whole lot of other stuff as well, which is what makes it harder. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. You know, I guess you you mentioned, you touched on that earlier on when you were talking about how just the acuteness and the closeness of those communities, like the information can be spread pretty quickly and there's not that many people before it sort of gets around. Yeah. So. Yeah. 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 And I think that yeah. our mob can be mm. a bit superstitious sometimes and hold on to beliefs really strongly even in the face of evidence that proves otherwise we like you know we, t we hold on to things like chips in cups and it's like logically there's no sense to why drinking from a chipped cup would give you the hep c virus or put you at risk of the hep c virus but it's a really commonly held belief within the indigenous community and it's kind of like no matter how much information they're faced with can't get past that thing that that's what I was told when I was eight years old and that's what I'll believe to the day that I die kind of thing you know so I, it's a funny little kind of superstitious thing that's kicked in there and maybe that's just human beings I don't know yeah for sure I mean 
yeah, I guess just it's a bit of a cultural thing as well. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, no, absolutely, yeah. absolutely, absolutely. But we definitely hold yeah. on to stuff we've been told when we're kids a lot. Yeah. 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 That's great. Um, I mean, that's about all I, I wanted to ask you. Is, is there anything else that you wanted to add, I mean, just about this in general? Um, reflecting on the work that you've recently finished up with Viral or anything in particular? I mean, I just think it's fantastic that, like, that we're at this stage of, you know, I just never really actually thought that we'd kind of get to this stage with hepatitis C and I wish that, yeah, the more that people are talking about it and getting the word of treatment out there and people actually being able to seek out that treatment and, and heal, you know, there's so many things that we've got to deal with that it's, you know, so great that this can be something that actually can just effectively be taken off our plates. And so I just think it's amazing. Yeah, yeah. that's and, fantastic. And, and really proud to be able to contribute something to, to that. Yeah. yeah, no, that's some amazing insights and stories that you've just given. Um, and just lastly, just on a side note, I didn't quite press record when you introduced your name. So if oh, you could just okay, say... sure. <laughs> uh, Kamara Bell Wikes, uh, Yagara Bachelor Woman from South East Queensland and the creative director at Albedry Theatre Company. Perfect. Great. And we're done. Oh, okay, awesome. Thank minutes. you. Thanks.